Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Wisconsin Badgers, Big Ten champions. Jesse, Wisconsin gets it done. They beat Purdue on a late banked three-pointer from Chucky Hepburn to hand them their 20th Big Ten title, regular season title, that is. What a game. As I mentioned in our show on Saturday, wasn't really sure when our next show was going to be, but it is today because Wisconsin went and got a win against uh, Purdue. I'm in Hawaii getting married later today, so I can't promise how long we're going to go, but we've got plenty to talk about because it is a remarkable, remarkable season that uh, just keeps on rolling along. Jesse, you were there. I believe uh, one of your you covered basketball for the first time in quite a bit against Purdue last night. What was that atmosphere like? Because it looked uh, pretty intense from my seat on a bar stool in Lihu. Well, I don't want to make you feel bad, and you shouldn't because you're in Hawaii getting married. But um, this was one of the best atmospheres for a college basketball game I've ever been a part of. And obviously, there have been some good ones at the Kohl Center, but there have been very few with stakes this high. This was only the fourth matchup in the history of home games in Madison where there were two top 10 teams. And by far, this one had the most at stake. We had discussed before the last one was the Duke non-conference game in the 2014-15 season. When I showed up to the arena about like 545, 550, and as I was walking up, and I mentioned this in the story that I wrote off the game, the line was snaked all the way around the building. Students had shown up early in the morning to be the first ones to get in whenever the doors did open. And they were loud. They were ready. Everybody wore, most people wore the white um, for the whiteout. And I think one of the reasons that the atmosphere was so crazy was because even though it wasn't the prettiest game, it wasn't like Wisconsin was scoring every possession. There weren't lulls where the Badgers got behind and had, there was an opportunity for the crowd to deflate even though they didn't play great in the first half, they still went on a 10-0 run and took a lead on Purdue into halftime. And the game was close throughout the second half. So when that shot went in, it was insanity. You could see the students getting closer and closer. Everybody's moving down, trying to get onto the court because there's clearly going to be a court storming. And there were a handful of officers that it looked like initially. I don't know if they wanted to stop them, but it was pretty clear that with thousands of people, it was going to be impossible to do so. And so as soon as the buzzer sounded and Tyler Wall intercepted the long-range pass on the last gasp attempt, it was complete madness. The entire court was covered other than one of the sidelines where they had roped off an area for the players and the coaches to celebrate for the trophy presentation ceremony. And there were it was a full-on mosh pit down there. Big Cat from Barstool Sports was uh, at the center of the action. and. Um, I think everybody was just hyped and it lived up to every bit of hype that we thought it could have. It's so rare that that happens, right? Like they, they built up the Michigan state game earlier this year and, you know, cause it was a top, what top 15 matchup. The first one that, it, you know, between top 15 teams in quite some time at the Cole center. And that one did not live up to it. This one clearly, clearly did. And it was just a remarkable game because you're right. They, they uh, had that 10 run, Purdue had that, what was it, a 13 to two run to, you know, cause it looked like for a second there, Wisconsin was going to be able to pull away. I think they went up 11 at one point. Is that, is that right? And yeah. It was 50 to 39. Yeah. It went up 11 and it kind of felt like it was getting away from Purdue and all the, you know, all of a sudden 
their guys got going. I mean, it was a fun back and forth game. Like, I'm glad that it played out the way that it did because it just makes it made it even more special, I think, for Wisconsin's players. You know, as I was watching it and hindsight is 2020 and it's easy to say this now, but I never really felt like Wisconsin was going to lose the game. There were a couple instances where Purdue had a lead and, and certainly after Purdue came back from 50 to 39 down, they briefly took a one point lead. Zach Eady made a free throw and Purdue was up 53, 52 with seven forty-two left in the game. And I thought, ah, maybe, but this team, as we've discussed, has been so resilient and so poised in games exactly like this, which is why they've won 15 consecutive games decided by six points or fewer, which is the most in Division I since the three-point arc came to be in 1986. They just did what they always do. Johnny Davis comes down. He wraps around a screen from Stephen Crowell, gets a three-point play to give Wisconsin the lead, and the Badgers didn't give the lead back. Now, Jaden Ivey came down and buried a massive three-pointer with about nine seconds left to tie the score, but Wisconsin didn't trail. And so I think that that was part of it. Um, but you're right. I'm, I'm glad too, that the game sort of was close all the way through down the stretch because with as much on the line and with as talented as these teams are, it was what you would want. And it was great for college basketball. It definitely was getting into it. Just, I mean, when you look at what a couple of players did, you know, Jaden Ivey really, really showed up there in the second half. Free throw shooting probably <laughs> would have liked to have been better there. But And Zach Eady did what Zach Eady does. But I thought they kind of, I don't want to say held him in check, but did a, a pretty solid job. And Trevor Ann Williams was essentially a non-factor unless you count all his, uh, <laughs> all his issues uh, with, with the you know turnovers and just a really poor game on his part. And, and I know plus minus, we don't really play a, pay a ton of attention to that, but they were minus 19 when he was on the floor which is just uh, an insane because uh, Zach E.D., they were plus 16. So, but either way, looking at Wisconsin side of things, Chucky Hepburn, despite playing, you know, in foul trouble for much of the second half, goes for 17 points. And he hit, obviously, a couple of that, that bank three, but he had a couple of big threes in the first half, too. I mean, this is, I don't, we'll get to this maybe in the Twitter questions, but I think last night is kind of an indication of, like, the type of scorer he might be able to be. Now, he didn't, he wasn't overly efficient, five for 13, but I think with Johnny moving on likely and with Brad gone, I think his I think we kind of saw a little bit of a, a little bit of a glimpse of maybe what uh, next year could look like with him having to have a big scoring role along the title wall. Greg Gard talked after the game about how he's seen Chucky become more aggressive offensively, and they certainly needed uh, needed it against Purdue. I think that's one of the the other sort of stories within the story. And another thing that we've talked about that has helped to make this team so special we talk all the time about johnny davis and what an incredible player he is and that he's a national player of the year candidate candidate and he's on track to average 20 points a game which as we know hasn't happened since 94 95 with michael finley and yet davis did not have a great first half he finished with six points he only made one shot from the field i believe he was one for five in the first half purdue guarded him exceptionally well they basically put three different guys on him at different spots of the game and then Brad Davison, Wisconsin's second leading scorer, only took one shot. Didn't score in the first half. Both of those guys were saddled with two fouls at various points of the first half. And yet, despite that, which you would think would be uh, the, the one thing that could prevent Wisconsin from winning this game against a top 10 Purdue team with as much talent as the Boilermakers have, Wisconsin still led at halftime. And that's because 
Chucky Hepburn had 11 points and Tyler Wall had nine points. They basically carried the offensive load in the first half and continued that in the second half and waited until Johnny Davis got going. But, but Chucky, we, we don't see many true freshmen like this come along at Wisconsin ever. He's on that short list of point guards that are given the keys to the car right away and play like this. And I think you're absolutely right. He's going to need to be the kind of guy that he was on Tuesday night moving forward. But I suppose for Badgers fans right now, probably want to live in the present because we've reached March and, and this has a chance to be an incredibly special and memorable next few weeks. It definitely does with the way the, where, where Wisconsin is now they clinched a share of the big 10 title. They haven't, they, they have a chance to get it outright with a win against Nebraska on Sunday. They get that done, right? I'd have a hard time believing Nebraska comes into Madison and wins. Now, having said that, Nebraska's got nothing to lose. I suppose you could say other than many games, which they had this year, but they did beat Ohio State, looked much better. And let's face it, uh, if ever there was a, a chance, and I don't think this team would do that, but a chance to have some type of hangover, it would be after this Purdue game, as emotional as it was, as intense um, and what it meant. But like even in the post-game trophy presentation ceremony, I think the, the players and, and guard made it clear that uh, they want to keep this bad boy to themselves. And they've given themselves the chance to do that on Sunday. And I fully believe that they're going to do that. I remember the last time they won the big, or I should say um, in 2015, it was kind of the same way. They clinched at home. They clinched a share against Michigan State and then had to go win two more games to get it outright to Minnesota, to Ohio State. And they knew, yes, it's a share, but share is fine. Win it outright so much better, which they were able to do. Obviously, that year they did it back in 08, and they also did it in uh, 2003. So they, this, could, this could potentially be their fourth outright Big Ten title of this, of this era. It means something. I don't think anybody likes sharing anything. And you, uh, I think there are some people that, maybe outside the program look, look down at that 2020 team because they only shared the title. I don't personally feel that way, but it means something to have the, have the title by yourself and have your name only the only one name listed in the record book. And, and, and they're still playing for other things here too, Jesse, because a loss against Nebraska is certainly not going to help their push for a number two seed potentially in the NCAA tournament. I know that, uh, Joe Lenardi has updated his, and he's still got Wisconsin as a three, or I should say as a three. I think they're the number 10 team overall. Villanova's sitting there at nine. Do you think there's any chance they push into that four spot, uh, or I should say into that uh, two spot? Yes, I do. But to me, they'd have to win the Big Ten Tournament Championship and perhaps do it again against Purdue uh, or Illinois. You know, Assuming Wisconsin winds up with the one seed, obviously the Badgers have clinched that double bye. Maybe they play a two, a two or a three seed um, in that championship game. Now, as I've said before, it's kind of a tough spot because as we've covered um, and, you know, we've been to some Big Ten championships Wisconsin has played in, that game ends at like 447 or something. And at five o'clock, CBS is on the air giving you the bracket. So it's sometimes hard to know how much things are going to change. But look, if Wisconsin wins the Big Ten regular season title outright and then goes and wins three more games in Indianapolis to capture the conference tournament title, if they're sitting there now at 10 in Lenardi's bracket, even though that's not the end-all, be-all, you know, why can't they get to number eight and be a two-seed? I absolutely believe it's possible for the Badgers to wind up as a two-seed. Now, ultimately, will it matter whether they're a two or a three? 
I'm not so sure, but it's a nice little feather in your cap, particularly considering what people thought this team was going to be at the start of the year. Right. And I, I just don't think that there's maybe, maybe the computer rank, maybe the computers and the analytics, but I, I just don't know how you could potentially, how you could ever seed. I guess it will depend on the big 10 tournament. I guess it pretty beats them, but like, how could you seed Purdue ahead of Wisconsin at this point? I would say that's an impossibility. <laughs> and, yet, um, and yet I think yeah. there probably are people that are still doing that again. It's, Bracket Matrix hasn't updated since I think it was updated yesterday, so it, I don't think it probably uh, is factoring in what happened last night. But they had Purdue as the number, last number two seed. And I know what the bracket matrix is. I understand that. Um, but they have Purdue as a two seed, Wisconsin as a three, and the last three seed to be uh, specific. I don't, think they can, I don't think they can push for a one, but I certainly think no. two should be in the, in the mix. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I believe that the committee will evaluate this based on what makes way more sense than the, what these metrics say. And we had Bart Torvik on to discuss why the metrics are the way they are. But for example, the NCAA's net rankings have been updated to reflect the results of the games on Tuesday night. And yet Purdue is still sitting there at 13. They were 12th before. They're 13th now. Wisconsin moved up one from 21 to 20. Now, I don't know what universe it is where that would make sense that Purdue could possibly be seven spots ahead of Wisconsin. But regardless, that's not how the committee's going to evaluate things. And I don't see a situation where Purdue winds up ahead of Wisconsin. Could they both wind up as three seeds? Sure. But Wisconsin right now is very legitimately can push for a two seed if the Badgers continue winning. Yeah. I mean, again, the, this is this is usually the other way around where Wisconsin ranks probably a little bit too high than what their performance shows. And this year it feels like it's the other way around. And I know people are probably tired of, of hearing about it, uh, but you just look at some of the, the, the analytics you mentioned. You mentioned Bart. He's got or his site, I should say, has Wisconsin at, at 23, whereas Purdue is sitting up there at at number nine. Illinois is at 14. Iowa is at 15. So like there are. And in, in Ken Palm, it's the same way. Like we're, I think Wisconsin's 24th and you have an Iowa team is 14th. So again, how much in your mind, how impactful do you think those things are on the committee? I don't, I don't believe that it will be. I, I you know, I test may kind of be a silly term that we use. That's like, I'll forget all the numbers, but here it's legitimate. Purdue is, is 15 and one at home this year. Well, who did Purdue lose to? Oh, that's right. It was Wisconsin. Um, and the Badgers have been so good for so long. They're 24 and five. They're in position to get the one seed in the Big Ten. I just, I don't think that they're going to spend, I guess, specifically to Wisconsin's case. I can't speak to how they would evaluate other teams, but it just doesn't make sense to me how they could just look at those numbers. You see that Wisconsin's 24 and five. They could be 28 and five when this thing is all said and done. So who cares if they're 17th or something in these metrics, they are one of the eight best teams without a doubt uh, in that situation in my mind. Yeah. I mean, Wisconsin's not alone in this Providence who's right at the top of the rankings of the big East is probably going to get at least you would think a share of, of the conference title along with, with Villanova. I think they have a game lead up on Villanova, but they're ranked 34th in, in Ken Palm. And they're also not viewed favorably on, uh, on Bart's site either. So like these, it goes certainly both ways, different years, Wisconsin, sometimes probably a bit higher than they should be in those numbers and sometimes lower. And that certainly is the case this year. So we got plenty of Twitter questions last night and, okay. uh, like to get into those here. 
I'm sure there'll be some brought up in the game. Chris Mulhern asks, overreaction or not, Greg Gard mm-hmm. needs to scrap Bo's philosophy and foul up three. <laughs> um, it depends on the circumstance. I've seen both work. I, which situation is this referring to, I guess? Uh, the Jaden Ivy three, I suppose. Um, I don't know. If you trust your guys defensively, the worst case scenario is what happened, which is Ivy makes a three and you've got a chance to tie or you've got a chance to win. And, and it's a tie if you miss and you go to overtime. In hindsight, you could say they should have fouled. It worked out. But I don't I don't have like a hard and fast rule on that necessarily. What did you think about like right after he made the shot? I think yeah. maybe some coaches, Ivy, I'm saying, made it the shot. Maybe some coaches would call timeout. Right let their defense get set. Uh, that did not happen. What, what would you have done? Uh, it, what would I have done if I were Matt Painter or yeah. you're talking about yeah. Greg Garden? Matt Painter. No, I'm saying, I'm not saying like, so like sometimes, so you get your defense set. So like you're not in the situation right. that they were in where, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily the an ideal setup for it. Uh, you, yeah. you're, you're allowed to, you know, get your defense set. And, even if Wisconsin, it allows Wisconsin to write a draw up a plate, they could do that. It's not like they don't have timeouts. They could have done the same thing. So I'm just wondering, like, just to be able to set the defense. Would would you have done that, or do you or are you okay with how Matt Painter played it out? Well, this is obviously one of those armchair quarterback situations too, yes. where I can say now, oh, this is what you should have done. It would have made a lot of sense for him to call a timeout because you can set your defense, but at the same time, Greg can go to the, the whiteboard and draw up a play, something that they run probably all the time in last second situations. Now I, I can only speak to what Greg's perspective was on this. I got to Matt Painter's uh, press conference for his last question because Wisconsin was out on the court for like 45 minutes with this mosh pit and this trophy presentation. But Greg was asked about why he decided not to call a timeout. And he said that, the number one thing was that he recognized the floor was scattered. So exactly as you said, Purdue was not able to set its defense. And as I had mentioned before, Wisconsin worst case scenario, someone misses a shot and it's a tie game. So I think if the Badgers had been losing, if Jaden Ivey had made that shot to give Purdue a one or a two point lead, I think Greg calls a timeout to draw something up. But because it was a tie game, he felt a little bit more confident. And he also had trust in both Chucky Hepburn and Johnny Davis, because he said, those are the two guys that are going to have the ball in those, that, those types of situations. You put the ball in your playmaker's hands and you go and let them make a play. So that was why Greg decided not to call timeout, and obviously it worked. Now, from Matt Painter's perspective, um, you would have liked the result to be different, so maybe you should have called a timeout, but that's easy for me to say now. Yeah. Adam asks, uh, have the role players officially gone from hindrances to saviors? I remember early <laughs> in the season, we were wondering where the third score was coming from. Uh, now we're getting big-time games from Wall, Crowell, and Hepburn. And I wouldn't even call those. I mean, yes, are those role, are those guys like I? I don't think I don't. I don't think Tyler Wall's a role player. No, um, I don't. I don't I, think any of this. I don't think. I don't know. I know where you're going with this, and I sort of was confused by the question simply because I don't consider any of the five starters role players. All of them are playing extensive minutes. They've got massive roles for this team. Now, if the question was guys off the bench, those are role players and guys that we've seen a little bit more consistency from or at least guys that you can start to trust. I do think that's something that's happened. And Greg acknowledged that as well. You look at what happened in the game. Chris Vogt was huge. He didn't do much offensively. He scored two points, 
but and he only took one shot, but he was needed because like we saw in the first matchup with Zach Eady, it's really difficult for Steven Crowler, anybody to guard a seven foot four dude who can just back down there, turn over his shoulder and hit a little right-handed hook shot. And even if you're seven feet tall, you can't do anything about it. But Chris came in there and I thought he did well and he got a few rebounds and he got a key block shot, by the way, that led to uh, points for Wisconsin. Jacoby Neath hit a key three and Ben Carlson came in and got some critical rebounds and also scored a bucket. So from my perspective, I think, you know, I wouldn't call any of the role players saviors, but I do think that this is exactly the kind of stuff that you need to make a run in March. But I don't think any of the starters are really role players. They've all had breakout games and they've all had huge roles the whole season. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Jordan says, make uh, present the case for the Badgers to be a one seed, two seed, or three seed. No way lower than that, right? I think we can both agree. I don't think anything lower than a three at this point. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Even if you were to lose to Nebraska and lose your first game on Friday, um, you're yeah. still, you're maybe you drop, maybe you're four. Um, cause right now, I mean, if people believe they're 10th in the country, you know, if you drop to 13 in that little snaked matrix that the committee would do, you could be a four. So I think if they lost their next two games, they could wind up as a four to me. It's your options are two. If you went out three, if you, you know, do what you basically done, maybe lose in the big 10 championship and four, if you lose the next two. All right. So no, no, no case for the one. I don't really see a one happening. I think it would be a big leap at this point and maybe a lot of teams would have to lose, but I mean, I don't really feel like there's a team that's running away with anything. Gonzaga and Arizona have three losses this year. That's the fewest in the country, but Wisconsin's got five losses. Like there's not that many teams that have fewer losses. You you can go through the list. Like Auburn's got four, Duke's got four, Houston's got four, by the way, Wisconsin beat Houston. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't see it happening, but I don't think it's like completely insane. Yeah. Uh, Malden Badger asks who defended Zach Eady the best and how did Purdue limit Johnny Davis? Who defended him best between vote and Crowell? Yeah, I would assume so. I guess I'd go with vote, even though he played fewer minutes. I mean, I, I think Crowell did a, a solid job too. There were some instances where it felt like, especially later in the second half, Edie started to get a couple things going inside, but like, I don't know how you can hold him off for the whole game. I felt like they did a really good job in the first half. Um, and I was even thinking like, man, he got, what do you get? 24 points in 20 minutes in the first matchup. I just expected him to do the same. And it, it didn't really happen as much in the first half. He, he ultimately wound up with, you know, 17 points and 16 rebounds. I, I give both of them credit. I think Boat did a reasonable job, but Corral also played 10 more minutes. What about Johnny Davis? Oh, yeah. Well, so one of the things that I think Purdue did was they put multiple guys on him. I think Eric Hunter Jr. did a really good job defending him. They made it difficult for him to get open, and he he didn't even take it. And I think I've mentioned this before. He didn't even take his first shot until more than eight minutes in the game. I think that's one thing that if I could say I'd like to see more from Johnny, sometimes you just want him to get involved more earlier. Like there are stretches in the second half when the game is close and he just wants the ball and he wants to take over and he's going to find a way to get a shot off. And I think sometimes early, it seems like he's waiting a little more or willing to be more passive. And I think he is clearly capable of 
getting more shots off, but they had three different guys on them. Ethan Morton was on him for a little bit. And even Jaden Ivey was on him now, not as much as the other guys, but I think Hunter jr. Did a good job defending him and just making it challenging for him to get clean looks at the basket. Yeah, they did a much, obviously did a much better job against him. I also don't think he's completely healthy either. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, there's that as well that I think probably played into it a little bit, but he's got a, he's got a little bit, I mean, they've got a little time here. They've got one game in the next what week, uh, eight days. Yeah. Yeah, Between now and next Friday, just a Sunday game against Nebraska. I wonder if they might hold him. They want to win that game. So I don't think they hold him out, but you certainly want him ready for the postseason more so than, than Sunday. But I I think it's probably going to be pretty hard to keep him off the court. Either way, Alex, uh, Alex asks, do you think a regular season conference champion has ever been last in their conference in three-point shooting in conference games? I <laughs> wish I had the numbers to tell you. This happened in 1994 in the Southeastern Conference. <laughs> I can't imagine it's happened very often. Yeah. It's one of the more head-scratching and, frankly, amazing feats <laughs> that Wisconsin could be as poor as it has been from three-point range, and, and not in every game. There have been some really good moments. But their strengths are in other areas. They get to the rim. They get to the free throw line. When you've got a guy like Tyler Wall who can score every way imaginable under the basket, you know, that sort of helps offset the issues that you can have from three-point range. And Johnny Davis continually getting to the line and Brad Davison being an excellent free throw shooter. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'll be honest when when, – they missed the they, they missed a shot or a, yeah Edie missed a shot. There was like thirty seconds left. He missed a shot. Brad got the or they got the ball. Yes. Brad and he was going to line. Like I thought the game was over. Yeah, me too. That so I I, I he is an excellent free throw shooter, but that he missed a front end of a one on one. I was shocked. I mean, he had, didn't he make? He hadn't made like 24, 25 straight going into that. I don't know the number, but I either mean, he's way, one of the best free throw shooters in the league, obviously. Not yeah, the one of, one of the best. Uh, to play at Wisconsin too. Like that. I was surprised. I thought the game was over at that point, but he didn't. So either way, uh, Megan asks how many big 10 teams make it into the NCAA tournament? Wow. Um, so I let's, guess let's, I let's, let's go through them here. All right. Yep. Wisconsin. Yes. Purdue. Mm-hmm. Illinois. Yeah. Iowa. I'll, I'll, um, yes. They're 21 and eight, 11 and seven in the big 10. I feel like if you've got a, a winning record in the Big Ten, and you're close to 20 wins. You're in Ohio State. Yes, Michigan State. Yes, and then it gets a little bit dicey, right? Exactly. That's, that's six, and then the other three teams that would be fighting for it would be Michigan, Rutgers, and Indiana. And I believe Rutgers and Indiana play tonight, so one of them is not going to be helping themselves, which is, I mean, probably not good for the the conference itself, but do of those three. So, so six for sure. How many of those three make it? Do you think? I think two wind up making it and I go to the, <laughs> the guy who's been doing this for a long time, Joe Lenardi in his most recent bracket, he's got all those teams are on the bubble. He's got Indiana and Rutgers among the last four in, and he's got Michigan among the last four buys. So that would mean all three of them are in. At this point, uh, I don't think that's what's going to wind up happening. Now, uh, you know, Indiana's nine and nine in the league. Rutgers is 10 and eight. Michigan's 10 and eight. But Indiana has a better overall 
record this season. They've got 18 wins. I, I don't necessarily see all three, but I can see two of them getting in, which would give the Big Ten eight this year. Which is still pretty remarkable. And I, we, we talked before we uh, wrap things up, we, we've talked about this, the ability to win in, in close games, right? The ability, what is it now? It's, is it 14 and one or 15 and one? I believe it's 15 and one. Where does that stat rank in just the most ridiculous uh, stats you could probably think of as a, you know, in covering this team? <laughs> like just, in any team I've covered? Yes, it's just, yes. Like I'm trying to think of uh, something that's more improbable. Yeah. I don't. Quite honestly, it might be number one. I just, <laughs> as, as Johnny Davis said after the last win, you know, if it was, what do you say? Like it was, if it was a fluke or something, you'd be 500, but they were 14 and one. I mean, now they're 15 and one. It's what this team is built on, but there's not a team in division one that's done it since 1986 when the three point line came about. So it might be the number one, most insane stat, uh, that I've seen, but, uh, that's part of the DNA of this team. And that's, what's so remarkable, by the way, I feel like it's worth mentioning before we get out of here that we haven't even discussed what was the quote of the night as it related to the game winning shot. So John, Johnny Davis was on the podium afterward. Matt LaPay got up there and was emceeing the thing, talking to multiple players, Greg guard, Chris McIntosh, who I think continues to show that, uh, very interesting guy to listen, listen to, even though he did, didn't say much. He talked about how it was the, you know, the best damn fans in the conference, the best damn coaching staff in the conference and the best damn team in the conference. And, lobbied for guard to be coach of the year, which he should be not just in the big 10, but perhaps nationally now. Uh, but Johnny was asked about what he thought on Chucky's game winning shot. And he got them, grabbed the microphone, you know, Johnny's blunt. He's going to say what's on his mind. He said, Hey, I'm not going to lie. That was some bullshit, but it went in <laughs> <laughs> and the, the crowd went wild. That's amazing. I, yeah, the, the, that's the type of thing, like from here, I don't, I don't see and, uh, and didn't get to watch. They cut away from, they cut, cut away from the game really quickly. Like mm -hmm. really quickly, uh, the this the court storm wasn't even the court wasn't even full by the time they they pulled away to a different game. So those are the type of things you, you miss not being there. But we we've talked about early in the Big Ten season when Wisconsin was you know exceeding expectations at that point, and how improbable like what would be the most what was the most improbable Big Ten championship of of this era of this guard you know this Ryan guard era. And where this one would rank, I don't think I thought it should be up there, but I'm wondering where you think uh, this ranks just in, in, in probability. And we know how good this team is now, but at the beginning of the season, we didn't. Where does this one rank when I, I when you think about these these five these uh, what one, two, three, four, five, six championships? Where would it rank? I mean, it's got to be up there with the first one and the two years ago. Right. The, I, like my mind goes to the first one when Bo came here and Wisconsin tied for first. Now that team went 11 and five in the big 10 and it was 19 and 13 overall. So not nearly as good as what this team has done. And two years ago, I think at the time you would have said, I don't know if I'm going to see something like that for the Badgers to reel off eight consecutive wins to earn a share of the title. It's hard to compare one to the other, but like, this is more improbable than two years ago, almost, even though they've done it more from start to finish, just because of what you thought the team was in October. I like, I feel like two years ago, there were, if you looked at that roster, you said, Hey, these guys should be pretty good. 
They've had guys who've been around. This team had three returning rotation players and a bunch of other guys. And yet they have owned a lot of the Big Ten. They have been good from start to finish. And I think that's the thing that makes this the most impressive, not like those other two teams. Like the entire year, they've been good. And I think the thing, you know, Greg talked about this after the game, and he's mentioned this before a little bit, that he felt like in the summer when he was around the team for for those weeks when they can uh, practice and, and compete, that he thought this team had a chance to be special, but he also acknowledged last night that he really is not something he could talk about publicly at the time because they had to go out and prove it. And the players got the belief after that Maui Invitational run, when they won the three games in three days in November, when Johnny Davis was magical, when they beat Houston, St. Mary's, all of a sudden it was like, man, we can win the Big Ten and we can do something even more than that. So I'm almost inclined as I'm talking about it to put it number one because of <laughs> what we thought they would be and the way they have dominated from start to finish. Yep. Special team, special nights, potentially a very special March and maybe even a little bit of April if uh, things break their way. But Wisconsin, Big Ten champions, we'll see if they can finish it off with an, by beating Nebraska to claim the uh, outright Big Ten title on Sunday and then uh, move into postseason play and, and we'll see. And, and uh, unlike two years ago, I don't think anything. Well, I probably shouldn't say this. I'm, I, you know what? I'm not going to say it. I don't want to jinx it. Uh, I want to see this team in March. I want to see this team in NCAA tournament action. So, uh, but, and, and, and likely, uh, we, that's the thing we didn't touch on. Likely, like Milwaukee, like it's almost a guarantee at this point, unless they drop these final two games, or is it a guarantee no matter what? I feel like it's a guarantee no matter what. Um, they've earned the right certainly to be the top four seed, and I think they'll be a three or a two, and they should be in Milwaukee, and it should be electric for those first two rounds. Yeah. Uh, question for you, though. Maybe I, I don't know if I've asked you this before. Would you rather have the first two rounds in Milwaukee or rounds three and four in Chicago? Well, because that's where the Midwest regional is. So you're saying like, what if they were put in the East, but they got the first two rounds in Milwaukee and wound up going out East or something? Yeah. This... Yeah. I would rather have the first two in Milwaukee. I, I really would. I, I, I feel like in the tournament, those first two games and one of those games, you're not going to play your best and you're going to need to squeak it out. Like you see it all the time, a team that shouldn't lose early loses. And if you can get past that, then it sort of changes the game. So for me, I would rather have the two Milwaukee games because they're basically going to be home games. Yeah, it should be, uh, should be pretty special um, next couple of weeks and we'll be along for the ride and uh, talking about it throughout. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Zach. All right. There he is. Jesse Temple from the athletic. You've been listening to The Swing.